And Lord, uh, this morning as we celebrate your victory, we remember how you started your ministry, your earthly ministry for us, that you submitted yourself to earthly baptism as a public proclamation. And Lord, this morning as as we're going to open up the baptismal for baptisms, Lord, I pray that you would move your spirit in somebody's heart today who didn't plan to get baptized, who would choose to say, yeah, I'll jump in. And Lord, I, I pray specifically for the youth that I get to spend time with. I pray that there'd be somebody from the youth group who would say, I want to jump in because skinny jeans, button-up shirt, and dress shoes and all, I'm going in. I want to jump in with them. So Lord, I, I, pr- I pray that you would move somebody's heart to choose to do what you do, which is to start with a public proclamation that you are, you are Lord and to jump in the jump in the water. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus won. Yeah. Jesus won. Uh, if you're new here, I'm BJ. I'm one of the staff pastors. I'm one of the staff pastors here. And uh, we like to we like to read scripture over the sermon before Mike comes up. We like to read scripture over him um, as God's word is a blessing. Um to him is my prayer. This morning, we're, we're going to read from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. You can follow along or listen along. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Thanks, BJ. Well, that's it. Have a great Easter. No, just kidding. (laughs) You're like, he had him read the passage for Easter on Easter. Well, good morning again, guys. If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that's where we're going to spend the majority of our time for Resurrection Sunday. As you turn there, if you're looking for a Bible, there's Bibles in the pews in front of you if you didn't bring one with you. But if you have one with you, I encourage you, flip those pages. Let's get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. A student at the University of Uruguay once asked asked, uh, Josh McDowell the following question. Professor McDowell, why couldn't you find some way to refute Christianity? 
McDowell replied, for a very simple reason. I was unable to explain away the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a real event in history. Josh McDowell had set out on a quest. If you've read his book, you know all about this more than a carpenter. He set out on a quest to refute Christianity, to defeat all the arguments, and in route, he gave his life to Jesus. And I love this part of his story where he says that essentially he couldn't find any way to refute Christianity because the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is a historical fact. It's a fact. Professor Thomas Arnold, who wrote an incredible uh, three-volume work called The History of Rome, he was the chair of modern history at Oxford and a man well acquainted with the value of evidence in determining historical facts. He said this, I have been used for many years to study the histories of other times and to examine and weigh the evidence of those who have written about them. And I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which is proved by better and more fuller evidence of every sort to the understanding of a fair inquirer than the great sign which God has given us that Christ died and rose again from the dead. All evidence points to resurrection. Not only in the empty tomb, not only in the eyewitness accounts, but in the spread of the gospel. J. Warner Wallace wrote a great book called Cold Case Christianity in which he points out that the spread of the gospel through the Gentile world could only have happened through eyewitness, firsthand, personal accounts. You guys, Paul writing this to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you should be open there. We won't spend a lot of time here, but let's read the first eight verses together. He says this, this gives us an idea of the conviction, the level of conviction that Paul had that Jesus had risen from the dead. He says this to the Corinthian church. Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received on which you have taken your stand and by which you are being saved if you hold to the message I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. The gospel message of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and the appearances thereafter, which were verified by more than 500 people, including the apostles. And those eyewitnesses, most of them still being alive when Paul wrote this letter, is verifiable in the time, and it's quantifiable in the spread of the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ and the people who are giving their lives to him throughout the Roman world. What an amazing thing for Paul to be able to say as he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 15 that you could go talk to these people. Wouldn't that be cool? to talk to someone who saw Jesus in the flesh after he had died and risen. There's so much evidence in favor of the bodily resurrection of Jesus, and there are much more qualified people who have written thoroughly about it. That's why this is just introduction. I'm not actually going to talk about this anymore. You're like, oh, oh, thank goodness. No, we should want to hear this, you guys. There's so much evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. It's why I can say to you with full conviction and be excited to hear the response, He is risen! 
And we say it with full conviction, even though only half of you said it. He is risen. Tell the whole world, church. We can with full assurance believe that he has risen from the dead, that he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and my favorite part, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming back for us. He is going to return to this world. And that's what we're waiting for. That's exciting to me. I used to get the chills over listening to certain songs, my favorite songs. I get the chills over saying Jesus is risen now. Isn't that cool? So much more powerful. Like, how could you compare? I don't know. I don't know how I could compare. You guys, we live in an age of in-between. Here in this church age, we're living in this age and this era of in-between. In-between the resurrection of our Lord nearly 2,000 years ago and his coming. And I think sometimes we become complacent. We get lulled to sleep in this place. We start to think it's been 2,000 years. Is he ever going to return? We stop living resurrection life now. We know the story of the resurrection, but have we recognized the impact it has on our lives, past, present, and future? You guys, the resurrection of Jesus doesn't just speak to our past. It's not even limited to where we are right now in our lives. It is the narrative of our future. Listen, the resurrection of Jesus will echo throughout eternity as a declaration of victory and will be sung for the universe to hear forever. The resurrection of Jesus will never be forgotten, and we must remember it live and loud right now and for all time. Why is it that we're limited to one day out of the year where we say he is risen indeed? Every single morning we should wake up and go, Jesus is alive. He is risen, victorious, not only over sin and death, but over every single struggle that I go through. Every single situation that I find myself in, he is victorious over it. The resurrection of Jesus, I'll say it again, will echo throughout eternity as a declaration of victory. You guys, and it'll be sung for the universe to hear forever. Ask me to prove it. Glad you asked. Here's how vital the resurrection of Jesus is. Thank you. I love the, I know certain people are gonna be like, yeah, I'll do it. Prove it. (laughs) Prove it, preacher man. Let's continue. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 12. Paul continues on. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. (gasps) Them's fighting words. Keep going. Moreover, we're found to be false witnesses about God because we testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, hold on to your hats, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. This is one of the greatest statements in the Bible, in verse 20. But as it is, (laughs) just let that soak in for a second. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen, church? The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. 
I think Paul aims to fire us up in this text. I know I certainly do. I think Paul's trying to stir up the Corinthians. Did you see all that he wrote in that first section saying, basically throw in the towel if there's no resurrection, guys. Just quit now. In the words of Mr. T, I pity the fool. <laughs> some, of you, some of you remember. <laughs> you guys, this is the first point I want to make. I want to send this home real clear, okay? We must live and hope like he is risen. Church, we must live and hope like he is risen if we've only put our hope in Christ for this life. Paul says in verse 19, if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. If the value of the resurrection is only giving you some kind of spiritual stimulus here in this life, we should be pitied. The whole world should feel sorry for us. But as it is, it's not that way, is it? Church, we must live and hope like Jesus is risen. Hope is an expectation and a desire for something to happen. Let's understand hope really quick, because I think that we talk about hope in different ways in this life, and we understand this in physical ways. I hope that my vehicle is going to keep running. Now, if you know me, amen. Now, if you know me, you know that that hope can be very misplaced. Now, I do all the maintenance. I do all the things that I can, but my vehicles don't like me. They don't like me, and I think that when Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh, mine are vehicles. They just don't like me. So I can hope that my car won't break down. I can hope that winter's going to end. But you guys, I can control the chances of success with the vehicle, but it's still going to break. I can't control the weather at all. I do every sunshine dance I know, and I cannot get it to happen. By the way, for instruction or more on that later, please see me out in the back parking lot. Come on, son. I have, for those of you who have never heard me share, I have zero shame. So <laughs> I'm just warming you up. You guys, I can control some circumstances in my life, but putting hope in those things, to some extent, I just don't control things. I just don't have a say in it. But let me say this to you. When it comes to actively living with our hope in the resurrection of Jesus, are you not thrilled, are you not glad that it has nothing to do with you? That our hope in the risen Savior has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with who he is. It has everything to do with his power, his authority, and his ability to defeat sin and death with one swift stroke, once and for all, for all mankind. For more, read Hebrews 9 and 10. You guys, Paul wrote this in Romans 5. This is so important. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's the part that we uh, had nothing to do with it. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That is a hope that is untouchable, Paul continues. Not only that, we boast in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance, and endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, and that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I added the last part, but it's absolutely true. The only way that we are filled with the Holy Spirit is because he both died and rose again. 
And so the victory that we have and the hope that we have for today because of the resurrection not only encourages us for the now, but for our future. It's for where we're going. Jesus is not just where we were. He is where we are and he is where we're going. Paul's encouraging the Corinthians to remember that even in death, we have hope because of Jesus. Even in death, there is hope. Some of the Corinthians were saying there was no resurrection from the dead for people, that this life was all that they had. This life is all you get. But Paul corrects this, and I believe the overarching question we have to ask ourselves is this, church, are we living like there's no eternity? Are we living our lives right now like there's no eternity? Like our hope is not in Christ, but it's in that car, or it's in that house, or it's in that relationship, or it's in that job opportunity, or it's in where we're going to go. You guys, are you hoping in the resurrection of Jesus for your future, for your eternity, or are you basing what you're living for on what you can get here? Are you being worldly-minded and not heavenly-minded? Is it for self rather than for Christ? Are we living devoid of the peace and the comfort God gives to those who are his, to those who have resurrection life now? Guys, that's the challenge here. Are you living devoid of the peace and the comfort that God will give you in the midst of the affliction that Paul talked about in Romans 5? In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of all that you're going through, you realize you can have comfort and peace here, now, when your hope is properly placed for all eternity. That being in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sake. The resurrection of Jesus declares that old lifestyle dead. We can live right now in the full assurance of hope that we not only live for him today, but that our future hope is Christ as well. Church, we must live in hope like Jesus is risen. Here's the second point that I want to make. We need to testify like he's risen. Because living and hoping will automatically connect to our testimony. To us testifying, that's not just where I've been. Our testimony is still going forward. Our testimony is the finished work of Christ, which means that we proclaim the gospel as a part of our story. Our testimony. One of my favorite testimony characters in scripture is Lazarus. The guy who had to die twice. I always kind of feel bad for Lazarus. Makes you wonder if he had a private conversation with Jesus, doesn't it? So, um, that sucked. And uh, I was, I was kind of hoping that, um, that I wouldn't have to. And Jesus was like, no, you're going to die again. Sorry. But the beauty of it is, is Lazarus' hope was no longer in what this world had to offer. Lazarus knew the Savior who had resurrection power. And he knew it through what, church? experience he experienced it dead and buried for four days as john chapter 11 explains jesus raised him from the dead as an example of what he would do and what we celebrate here this morning resurrection jesus raised him from the dead and said here's just a small taste of what i'm going to do you guys it's what we're celebrating but i want to remind you of this church this is really important this is really important it's something I think that the church around the world, and especially in third world countries, understands a little bit better than we do. And that's this. Lazarus was not seen as a hero by the religious leaders. He was seen as a threat 
the testimony of the power of Jesus so evidently displayed in Lazarus's life was a threat and made him a target. His life that Jesus gave back to him made him a target. We should think about that carefully. What is it that coming to Jesus and giving our lives to him, what is it going to cost us? If the world wishes to do away with Jesus, if they want to do away with the thought of him, if they don't want to think about him, if they want him out of sight, will we be guilty by association so that if they want to remove Jesus from the equation, they have to remove us? That we're so evidently works of his hands that we are resurrection people living resurrection lifestyle that if the world wants to be rid of Jesus, they have to get rid of me too. That's the kind of life we want. That's the sincere, born-again believer road. That's what it looks like to be transformed by Jesus. I want to repeat what I said a week ago on Palm Sunday. Let us be guilty of this same association, church. Let us be guilty of this same association with Lazarus. Let the workmanship of the Lord be so evident upon us that if they wish to do him harm, they must, must, must include us as well. Because we are living and breathing evidence that Jesus can bring the dead back to life. You and I are living, breathing evidence that the dead can come back to life again. This plays out in our lives in so many ways. What is it in your life that is dying right now that Jesus wants to bring life to? What is it relationally that we're broken in that he wants to bring new life to? What is it in our hearts, in our minds, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes that's broken, that's sinful? And Jesus is standing there at the door knocking, saying, let my resurrection life come in. Let me bring this death back to life. Let's count all the flesh gone and buried, and let's start a new creation in Christ. Paul says in Romans 7, 4, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you also were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ, that you may belong to one another. He says, he goes on, You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. You know, I don't know any other place outside of being in a church gathering where you can look at people and go, how's the fruit going? And then most people would understand what you're talking about if you're not a farmer. How's your fruit production? You know, somebody asks you that at Walmart, that might be weird. Be like, uh, see the produce aisle, I don't work here, right? But if a Christian comes up to you and says, so is your life producing fruit? It's a pretty heavy question. Because they're asking if you're walking in Christ. They're asking if you're walking in the, that newness of life. Because we belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit. The purpose of the work of Christ in our lives is not just to save our miserable little selves, which we are, but it's also so that we would bear fruit and bear how much? I love it. Different versions of the Bible. It's so cool. Abundant. Muchness. You're right? It's all the same. Someone's over here with the message. Muchly. I don't know. It's fine. It's great. That's great. That's the idea. A lot. How impressed, 
How impressed are we with people who talk about producing fruit but never do it? How impressive is that? How inspirational is that? You guys, Jesus and the power of his resurrection alive and active in our lives allows us to produce much, muchly abundant, whatever, whatever you want to say, a lot of fruit. Bearing fruit is a testimony before all that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. That's how we testify of it. Walking according to his commands, doing the work that he did, loving one another as he called us to. Loving God, loving others. That we no longer live according to the selfish desires of sin, but that we're alive in Christ to walk in obedience to him and glorify him with every single part of our being. From the conference room to the bedroom, are you glorifying Christ? That's the question. You guys, maybe some of us have been trying to do this on our own for too long. Maybe there's believers in this room that are feeling just plain worn out, tired of spinning their wheels, trying to produce fruit and nothing's happening. You feel like a, an orchard with nothing on the vine. Is that how God wants you? Is that, is that a God problem? Is that a Jesus deficiency? In other words, is Jesus not powerful enough to produce fruit in your life as well as in other people's life? I think we understand the response and we know the response to those rhetorical questions. But I don't aim to emotionally stir you up, although emotion will be involved. I want to call to you and I want to challenge you that Jesus desires to produce much fruit in your life. That he wants abundant fruit to come out of your life just as much as he wants it to come out of others. And that he is calling you to a closer walk with him. Believer, maybe it's time to recommit. Maybe it's time for you to confess sin. Maybe it's time for you to repent and remember that resurrection life is what is promised to you in Christ Jesus. For the non-believer, maybe you've been living like this world is all there is. And I don't know how many non-believers are in this room, but I sense there's a few. And maybe you've never truly given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've even grown up in the church like I did. Maybe you've heard it said so many times. Maybe the word altar call just gives you an idea that you're going to have a later lunch because the pastor's going to go long, right? But I want to call every single person here who is hearing me right now that has not received Jesus as their personal Savior. I want to call your attention to what I'm about to say. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. Jesus is calling to you right now. He is calling you to himself. And this is the message of faith that we proclaim, Paul says in Romans 10, halfway through verse 8 and verse 9, he says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and if you believe in your heart, that's the invitation the Lord is giving to you this morning. Paul preaching 
in Antioch in Acts 13 says this in verses 38 and 39. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man, he's speaking of Jesus, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Everyone who believes is justified through him from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. He says, you know what? Let's just face it. We're all sinners. We've all failed. We all deserve death. Let's just level the playing field. And in Jesus Christ, we are offered life and life eternal because of the power of his resurrection. You are being offered eternal life in Jesus Christ. For the non-believer, this is your moment. For the believer who's been backslidden, who hasn't been walking, who hasn't seen that fruit production, I want to call you back to what you already know. I want to call you back to Jesus. I want you to remember the cross, and I want you to gaze into the empty tomb, and I want you to remember that Jesus Christ rose victorious for you. In your place, he did what you could not do. He loves you that much. Church, listen. Jesus loves you. And he, he even likes you. That hits different, doesn't it? Jesus loves you, but he even likes you. That means he says to the Father in his high priestly prayer in John 17, I want these that you've given to me to what? Be with me. Jesus wants you with him. Not just for all eternity, not just when you die someday. Jesus wants you close to him right now. He wants you near him right now. He is calling you near to him right now. I'm going to have the worship team come up. In a minute, I'm going to offer an opportunity for you guys to pray with me. But before I do that, I want, to, I want to point something out to you. You can't see it, but there's a baptismal behind me. Why is baptism so important as a part of our salvation? Well, first of all, Jesus was baptized. BJ mentioned that earlier. But you guys, we're offering the opportunity this morning for anyone here who has placed their faith in Jesus. And if you're like, I'm not a believer, but I want to be, I'm going to walk you through the prayer. You're going to be saved in a second. You guys, I want to remind you of something. Baptism is a very important symbol that illustrates a number of really significant realities in our lives. It illustrates Christ's death and resurrection. That's why I love doing it on Easter. That's why I love doing baptisms on Easter. It's like watching an illustration and an artistic expression of what Jesus has done for us. Death in the water, resurrection into new life. You guys, it also illustrates the disciples' union with Christ in his death and resurrection. It illustrates the new life in which a disciple walks and it illustrates the cleansing away of sin. I want to read to you from Romans chapter 6. The first 11 verses of this chapter. We're going to know the first verses. I actually quote this often. But where Paul goes with it is so powerful. Paul says this, What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Church, it's on the screen. If you can read it, can you say it with me? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, 
Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. This is why baptism is so important on Resurrection Sunday. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ having been raised from the dead will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Typically, when we do baptisms, we put the word out. People get back to me. And we usually line people up and we do it kind of in an organized, very organized person. People know this. Very organized. I like things da-da-da-da-da. Well, God loves to throw wrenches into my plans. So the two people that were very interested in getting baptized this morning left town. Not because they were getting baptized. They had things going on. This is an invitation by faith. God knows who needs to be baptized in this room. He knows who needs to get into this tub this morning, and I honestly believe there are a few. But I cannot force you to do this This is something that you must choose to do as a representation of your death to the flesh and new life, new resurrection life in Jesus. And if you have not been baptized, I want to call you to do something this morning. I want to call you to come forward. And I'm going to come down and sit in this pew right here in the front. And you can come forward and sit with me and I'll walk with you all the way back. I'll dunk you. I promise not to hold you down. And I'll walk back out here with you. But I want to challenge you, if you have not been baptized and you want to be this morning, I want to challenge you to come forward and be baptized. We have plenty of time, and the water's warm. I didn't warm it. There was a heater. But there's, you understand. You're like, how in the world did he slip that joke in here while we're talking about baptism? Because Jesus created my humor. Um, No, here's the thing. You guys, this is a joyful moment. This is a moment of celebration. And you know what? If I sit down here alone and nobody gets baptized, that's okay. That's okay. I just want you to be square in your heart with it that God is not calling you to do it right now. Because let me tell you this. You are taking a physical step forward to say, yes, I want to show every person in this room what Jesus Christ has done for me. I choose to testify. I'm going to pray with you guys. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, as we kind of just step out in faith this morning, and and you can do what you will with this, Lord, there's there's no pressure aside from what your Holy Spirit is doing in hearts and minds right now. And I leave that between you and them. My pride will not be wounded if nobody gets baptized this morning. Jesus, I just want your people to glorify you. I want them to honor you with their lives. And so as we take time to allow you to speak to hearts, I want to pray for those, Lord, who may not have received you as Savior. Maybe they're in the room. Maybe they're listening online. Maybe they'll be listening to this message years from now. 
And Lord, this is the moment. And when you encouraged me to say this is your moment, that it actually was for them. Lord, I pray that in their hearts they would say some very simple, simple words. Because this is how simple it is. Jesus, I recognize that I have sinned. I've fallen short of perfection. I've fallen short of your glory and I am separated from the Father. Jesus, I confess that you are Lord and I believe by faith that you died on the cross to save me from my sin. And I receive you as Lord and Savior and Jesus, I want to ask you to be Lord of my life. I don't want to just recognize that you are Lord. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to steer every part of me. I want you to have every part of me, my heart, my mind, and my body. And I ask that you would raise me up from this posture of death into a new creation that you have the power to work in me. I believe that you died on that cross. And I believe that you rose on the third day. Fathers, you know what hearts hear or what hearts will pray that prayer. I pray, God, that if they're in this room, that they would have the boldness to come forward and be baptized this morning. I pray for any Lord here who have not done this, that feel you're stirring, feel you drawing them, that they would come forward this morning, that they would be baptized. Lord, we just wait upon you in this time, and if all we're here to do is worship and declare your glory here on Resurrection Sunday, then it is enough. But Lord, I pray, give people boldness this morning. Stir their hearts. We ask Jesus according to your power and in your name. Amen. As we sing, like I said, I'm just going to sit up front here. If no one comes, we will worship the Lord. And if anyone wants to be baptized, come forward and we'll baptize you.